Whether it be in the New South Wales Ranges, Riverside and the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, Hunting Camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Righto, here we are guys, we're uh, on again at the um, Wild Deer Expo, very special guest today, <laughs> Mr Hoyt himself, Rowan Walker, how are you? Good afternoon, great to be here, yeah, <laughs> really good. Hey, good to finally meet you, we've um, spoken a few times, especially over the last few weeks trying to organise this, so glad you come down mate. Yeah, look, it's, oh, it's great to meet everybody in person, you see them on Facebook and so on, and it's good to be the face of the name. It's always it's good to come down. I used to live down here yeah, a right long, right. long yep. time ago, so okay. this is certainly a background. The samba for me is good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's the short version. Mate, um, obviously, yeah, you, you're up in the Territory now, and um, you've you got an archery shop out there. Is that right? Uh, yeah, look, being up there 13 years now, we are in the process of building that archery shop now. Cool. Yep. Uh, our local one closed down, so it's, okay. it's nice to have someone to start it again. So we'll do that. Yep. It's not full currently running as a shop yep, yet. Yeah, in the process of. In the process, yeah. Yeah. So, mate, uh, as, as normal, mate, I, um, you know, we, we try and get everyone's background story and, and how you started. Mate, give us yours. You know, how long, uh, what age were you when you jumped into it? And, um, you know, give us the, the little bio with Ron Walker. Well, yeah, it's a quick bio. So, like most of we started off as, as a young kid. Mum took a photo of me in 1981 with a little bow that I made out yep. of bamboo. And so on. It slowly progressed like we all do. It was in high school where I really was hooked on it. We did archery as an election. And this dude came out with this, I remember this old bear, big timber rise. I was like, wow, what is that? I want to know what that is. And he shot this target. I was like, dude, that was so cool. I've got to, I've got to know what this is. Yeah. And, um, and that's sort of, honestly, that's where the addiction started. I right saw, saw him shoot it and I heard it and watched it. I was like, wow. And then, you, you know. Years later, I got my own bow and started and started yep. and just slowly progressed. But, but uh, yeah, that's and along the thought of it, that's that his name was Daniel, and I actually messaged him only a few years ago and said, "Hey, yeah. dude, thanks for shooting that bow, man, because I would not be where I was today if I didn't didn't see it." <laughs> so it was, it was like super cool. It's amazing. Just it's uh, it can be just those little moments, and uh, it's something that you remember, and you know you you move forward. And I guess you, you probably visit that you know quite regularly that little moment. V- very regularly. I yep. often look back at. I can see where it was at high school and. It, it's it's a good good reflection. Yeah, no, that's cool. So obviously, um, you know, you, you got into it at a young age. You know, when when did things really start progressing? Sort of what uh, what age were you, and and I guess what started it? Um, the progression really took off uh, after seeing the Hoyt catalogue. Most as everyone knows now, like I'm a true Hoyt freak and <laughs> nut. And the addiction started back in sort of 95, 94, and I, used, and I opened up this catalogue. I was like, wow, look at these bows. And they're just, they're just Im- immaculate, incredible engineering. I was like, I said to my buddy one day, I said, I'm going to be in that book one day. That's what I want to do. And, yeah. and honestly, really, that's my whole achievement through my whole archery career has just been for the catalogue, shoot for Hoyt, and be proud of that product that I shoot. And it just kept going and going and going. Yep. So it started to get really serious. I, spo- I suppose we yeah, back in '97, got the first split limb bow, bow from there, and just started. You know, the, it's the foxes, it's this goat. You yep. shoot a few hares and so on. You met this dude. You, 
you know, the, the wait for the magazines to come out every couple of months to see who shot what or what competition <laughs> yeah. and so on. So that was sort of slowly how it was progressing. Yeah, cool. And you, were you, so you were down here in Victoria at that time or were you already out north? Yeah, no, I was, yeah, over in the Stanhope and got Golden Valley yep. on, on a dairy farm. Okay. That's, that's sort of where it started. Then moved up into, up, oh, here, up into Bright. Yep. Back in 2000. And then from then in 2005, I moved to Darwin. Yeah. And, and, and still there today. Yeah, for sure. So, um, obviously, you know, Samba's obviously, you know, we've got a Samba trend at the moment. I suppose it's hard not to be being in Victoria, but was that sort of your, you know, your bread and butter, sorry, bread and butter, um, or, you know, obviously, apart from your foxes and rabbits and things? Yeah, look, it's certainly the bread and butter here. Back in the, you know, we're old school days, and there was no social media, and I think there's literally back when I was hunting, there was only a handful of guys that actually shot them with a bow. Yep. So that Samba went, Way up on a pedestal, it was sure. just nuts. Like, well, I got to do it. I got to shoot one like Luxford and Burrows and Baden Hams, those old school guys. And yeah. when I finally did it, it was it was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. My folks said, Ron, look, stop this crap. You're not going to shoot one. You're just <laughs> wasting all this time." I said, "No, I can do this. I can do this." Yeah. So, cut a long story short. So when I finally did it, over the moon, rank a good buddy, and it happened. But anyway, sneaking the little gully. I pushed out a hind out of the creek. I was like, oh, well, that was cool. Yep, no worries. Sneaking along the bank, and you just got that sense of like, wow, oh, something here, something's watching me. And I looked up at about 45 degrees. There was a hind at 42 yards. Never forget it. She's in between the tree, looking down, stomping her feet. I was like, and I'm shaking. I've got sweats. <laughs> I'm trying to knock this out. Eastern double X75 arrow. I drew back, held. Boom, the arrow slammed straight into the tree. Still, I can still see it now. Like, so they killed, ah, the, killed the tree. God, smoked the tree. It was perfect. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Anyway, try and keep cool and calm. She honked at me again. For some reason, I knocked and I was already at full draw. I didn't even know. Sent it. And this arrow went through the tree, smacked it straight through that lung. And she took off. I was like, oh, my God. I just shot it. I just shot it. Got nuts in my head. <laughs> Ran around the hill. And found her, and that was that was certainly still one of my highlights of my archery career as of today. Yep. So that obviously, you know, you, you said that, you know, that's a highlight. That obviously uh, probably grabbed another gear, and you, you really ran with it from there. Oh, certainly, it just ramped up and, and, and kept going. And then it's still that Hoyt that Hoyt dream, and that's sort of really what's kept me pushing. Yep. It's 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 not for everybody that chase that that's such a personal sponsorship, but that's just what I wanted. Yeah. I had. Um, cancer when I was 21 and I dealt with that for a long time I sat in that hospital bed and you know I thought you know life is given to you so easily but taken away so quickly yep and from so really really from then that it just went went nuts as I grabbed the bull by the horns and just said you know it's all about me now and I, you know I've been a very selfish person I've tried to give it back a lot back now but you know I've, I've hurt people along the way and so on to yep. try and get where I am yep and you know this is just being honest this is me and um, yeah, so since then it's it's just been full swing, and it's like I said, yeah. And to the viewers, I just keep chasing that white dream, yep. and that was the main focus. And with that dream, you know, what what comes with that dream? Um, you know, you, you obviously, um, you know, obviously everyone, you know, well, not everyone, but a lot of people would like to shoot for someone and that kind of thing. What was it out of that dream that you wanted? What was the feeling that you you, you were trying to achieve? The, the feeling for me it was like. I've, um, it was that recognition. I was recognised. The, the, the US guys going, wow, you know, this dude, like, let's grab him on board. It was that personal satisfaction that I wanted. I, I set that goal for such nearly 20 years to do it. And, yep. and that sort of, that was for me. I just wanted to just set that goal, keep going, and achieve it, what I set out to do. Yep. 
Oh yeah, you know we spoke, you know, briefly there before, and it's hot. <laughs> it's real hot here, guys. We're we're sweating, but uh, we we spoke here just before. Um, obviously, as you know, we just got back from the ATA show, and uh, you know it was really interesting with the different companies. I know myself and Ian Summers went through this uh, on a podcast a little while ago, but the I can understand why Hoyt was maybe a little bit bit of a dream. Um, the vibe that they gave, you know, in their booth, and you know, it's it's hard probably not to be want to be a part of it. Um, you know, every single team member there was just a great guy. I know you've met him personally and, and I've been fortunate enough to recently do. Uh, they're a different breed in, in a very, very good way. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's just so professional. You know, you could eat your floor off their workshop. It's, it's the way they present themselves. It's the, it's, they're so professional in what they do. Yep. I just love all the, the glam and the blame and the colours. and <laughs> I love all that. That's crazy. The big boy stuff. I love yeah. that, yeah. So... Breaking it down, you know, taking taking away the the Hoyt, mm-hmm. you know, obviously they have a great product as well. Um, you've shot them for a long time. What is it about the bow? Um, taking away the brand, what is it about the bow that you actually find so attractive? It's for me. It's certainly the presentation of the bow, it's the, the aesthetics of the bow, the shoot through riser, the feel of it, and just the simple engineering, just those little things on under the cam or the limbs or a little cutout they've done in the riser. It, they just simply grab me. You know, I've, I've picked up other brands of bows. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with them. But it just seems that four little word, just like Hoyt, just hold me and grab me. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, you said it before, they've got a presence, you know. Um, we're just sitting here watching, you know, Jerry Redmond's got his uh, RX1 oh, out here. Yeah, and, there it is. And, uh, you know, sitting over there and then just, um, you know, showing a few guys how the, how the new bow press, press works um, or vans. But, um, you know, everyone's sort of looking at it and grabbing it and holding it and just jumping around the Abbey Archery booth yeah. there before and you know once again it's got a present the, the, the marketing's there and uh, but they've got the product to back it oh very much huge product backing and I love how much research Hoyt do put into their gears you know they're thinking about bows not, not of today not tomorrow but even years to come and, yep. and that's what I love about that research they just, they're so passionate about that, what they do yep. and they, you can see them when they produce that product there it is that's the passion in that yeah. product so the product they probably brought out now, so this year's bow, was probably designed three years ago. I know it was three years ago. They're yep. generally, yeah, about three years in advanced. Yep, yep. And, and as, a, as a company like that, you have to be. Yeah. So taking, taking that bow into, you know, into a hunt or to a comp, because obviously you do a bit of archery, you, you know, do a bit of target shooting as well. Yeah, look, a lot of people ask me that. They said, look, if you had to do one, if you had to hunt or you had to do 3D archery or tournament style, you know what, I'm on a boundary line there. I love... <laughs> Just as much as each of them. Yep. Um, it's that satisfaction of shooting that, that 12 ring or shooting six hours, at, you know, 50 yards. It's that satisfaction of just like continually doing it, pushing and pushing. And when you step on the line and, you, you know, it's, it's like the money's up, that's it. It's cool. You can just keep going. It's, that's what drives me for that for sure. Sure. Stepping away from, from uh, bow hunting and archery, uh, what, what's your day-to-day life? What do you do up in the Territory? And I know... I know I know the bow has got a massive part to do with, with, with yourself and, and, and Jess's, your wife's life. Um, but, you know, what's, what's... Yeah, look, we're just like everybody else. But, um, not, I'm not a professional bar owner. I've got an everyday job. <laughs> so I'm an aluminium fabricator, builder. Yep. So we build from ute trays, dog cages, boxes, toolboxes, boats, a lot of boat repairs in the, you know, where we are in Darwin. Sure. Everybody's got boats, or two at least. So it's a lot of boat work. Fishing's mad. So that, that's ha- so my everyday job is that for sure. Yeah. So for for those who are you know maybe listening overseas and that look obviously uh, northern New South or northern Australia I should say um, is 
is Buffalo. Everyone thinks of Buffalo when they when they think of uh, Northern Territory, even probably in Australia. But uh, other than chasing Buffalo, yeah, it's it's very good pig hunting. What what sort of hunting do you sort of do? Uh, what's your favourite? Um, go through a little bit of that with us. Yeah, so where we are is primarily primarily pigs. You know, that's a, it's an easy game to shoot. A lot of big floodplain boars are out there, which is yeah, and they're fantastic to hunt. To sneak up on a floodplain, you've got crocodiles swinging around. There's birds, there's brogues, there's jabberoos. And to sneak up on a you know big ninety kilo boar, you're slinging mud over his shoulder, feeding on a while, and you snuck up to him like six yards and drive him. It's Look, it's a lot of satisfaction, and it's cool, you know, and you open up his jaw, he's like, wow, man, he's like 29 Douglas points, that's a cool hog. So that's primarily my, my big animal that I hunt a lot of the time. And then, you know, then they chase the buffalo, so if you're on a floodplain, there'll often be buffalo with the hog, so you would be like, oh, he's a good bull, let's go and sneak over to him. So they're my two sort of big animals that we hunt in the NT. In saying that too, we, Jess and I, we do a lot of bow fishing. Okay. We, we're hooked on bow fishing. Yeah, cool. Just does the meanest stingray luxo there is. It's it's <laughs> awesome food, and it's a very underrated fish. It's a very underrated sport. Yep. But it's 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 everywhere in Darwin. You know, we've got so many sand flats and harbours and shallow bays, and so we shoot a lot of yeah, scaled fish from barramundi, um, blue bone, all yep. the way through to, to the sharks and and stingrays. Yeah, you've definitely got up there, like New South Wales. We unfortunately. Can't bow, can't do it. Yeah. Can't go bow fish, so um, which is a real shame. But uh, you know, it's something that I've had a bit of a crack at it when we we're out in the Cape and those kind of things. But yeah. um, I can definitely see the the interest in that. Being a mad fisher myself, and being able to take the bow out for another reason would be, you know, be a pretty good idea. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of animals that we've got up. You know, you know, horses and, and donkeys. There's a few cats around the dingo. The camels are a little bit lower. Yep. Which camel? Now, camels are cool to hunt. <laughs> they are awesome. The animal, other animals I won't go into because it's a little bit personal. People don't like yeah. shooting those things. Uh, we spoke about, you asked me about the, my favourite. Look, it's it's the rut time, man. I think of all Australian animals, the fallow for me is definitely high on the cards. Do your piece. He, he's, it's just to watch him croak and fight and listen to them <laughs> and... For me, that, that that's the ultimate for me. I love my samba, absolutely, but, yeah. but the fallow deer, is, there's something special. Is it the vocalisation or is it just, yeah, what is it? I love the palmates on them. A big yeah. palmated fallow croak and his antlers are throwing back and rawr, he's chasing <laughs> his does around. It's, it's, I think that's what it is for me, is that the big palmed antler. It's, it yeah. grabs me. For anyone that uh, hasn't, hasn't sort of seen fallow deer in, in action, uh, there's plenty on YouTube actually, but... Um, they're a very territorial, uh, very, territorial deer, very yeah. territorial when they get going uh, there's not going to be much they will take on each other like it's, it's, they yeah. will fight to the death absolutely fight to the death yeah um, you know you see them get tangled up in fences they just fight and fight and fight you know they, they are look I, I'm a red deer man I, you know I love the reds but I tell you what like when they're done and you're jumping straight at a fellow, you kind of don't miss the reds. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, as much as I say, like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll chase reds first, I think maybe that could just be because it's the time of season. You know, they're generally a couple of weeks earlier. So, right, yeah, luckily, yeah. luckily we yeah. <laughs> have to choose between the two. But, um, you know, you obviously, some buddies here that you, you obviously hunt with and, and you get back to New South Wales Rangers. Yeah, so in another, yeah, four weeks, I'll be driving back down. Yep. I hunt with Spinksy and Grant, yep. yep. Back back into a little deer camp episode and, and watch it all happen again. <laughs> so, uh, what's your favourite sort of style? You know, are you in an area where you can rattle them in or you're mainly spot and stalk? You, hold, you know, just talk us. Obviously, we're going into fallow season, so 
for anyone that's maybe just going on their first season. Let just go through a little bit of you know what's a day to day hunt when you when you're hitting the fallow. I'm really totally fortunate to have the property that we got. You know to be invited by Grant. You know a few years ago and to be accepted into his little community, which is awesome. It's so a day to day. You know we're up at four o'clock. Grant's already had his trail cameras out over the years, so we sort of know what bucks are in, a, in and out. I seen a photo yesterday you're going to be impressed with. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we, and we know there's so many bucks up there, you know, between 205, 210, 215, and there's some bigger boys up there. Yep. So we're up, we're up and about, you know, we're packing up. You know, you get up to the bottom of the valley and you shut the car door and you can just, oh, there's, you know, there might be six, seven, eight of them, they're croaking and going off their heads with like, he sounds good. He sounds good. I'm going to go to that one. So, but yeah, definitely a spot stock for me. That That's the yep. ultimate for me. You know, yep. I just love sort of ambushing, getting on those little platters, those little benches. Mm-hmm. I like to sneak up underneath them, sort of poke my head over there. There he is and yep. send it, you know. Certainly my favourite. Look, rattling, rattling's fun. I like how you can grab their attention from, you know, a couple of hundred metres over. They can turn and watch and all of a sudden, you know, they'll be right at, right at your doorstep like sure. a fox is. But it's, yeah, it's spot and stalk for me. Yeah. With the, um, you know, and, and I mentioned rattling, so anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's it's pretty much clamming two, uh, two antlers together. Um, not all areas will will do that. You know, if, there are, if it's a highly pressured area or there's too many deer, you know, there's just fights going all the time. And you, you're more or less, in, you know, you're trying to replicate a, a fight between two bucks. So... Uh, the, you know, not if there's a lot of deer, you'll find the de- if the density is real high. Spot and stalk, you know, are you are you trying to hit like a travel route, or you're trying to get them on their scrape, or you know how, how uh, yeah. what's the best best way to get the spot and stalk happening? So for me, spot and stalk, it's it's t- to hear them first. Yep. So I know he's up on that bench. I know he's not going to leave that bench for a little while. Then he's going to go go high. So I like to sort of hunt quite fast on them keep that vocal where he is keep focusing on that yep and I like just to push hard basically straight up straight off straight on him yep and obviously we're talking probably a morning session here generally you've got your thermals coming down so you can actually charge up that gully correct um, yep. you've obviously got a little bit of a time pressure there too because if as it heats up or that sun's poking over the fridge you're going to have that problem come underneath them how, how do you judge if you've gone too far Look, that's a good other, question. other than getting blown out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good question. We find it too, depending on the feed and, and, and how hot it is, how dry it is. A couple of years ago, you know, it was very, very dry and we all struggled on it. They were only croaking literally for 15, 20 minutes and they were gone. Mm-hmm. I really like to keep sound on them. So last year, was, we had a good season, a lot of feed, a lot of green. So they were croaking for another hour and a half. Yeah. So, and we know once they start croaking, they're going higher and higher and higher. Basically, it's for me, it's like, oh, I'll turn around, we'll come back tonight or start again again tomorrow. Yep, yep. And obviously, afternoon, you know, uh, you, you're sitting out all day or like, so, you know, you've missed, missed, the, missed the one in the morning, you've missed a chance there, wind's turned or whatever it may be. You're just sort of pulling out, so keep, keep near area safe or, or how, are you, how are you sort of looking through the day? Yeah, so, so, so through the day, we hunt the, hunt the morning. I like to sort of bail out, a, you know, maybe 10, half past 10 will come out, go back to camp, have a feed, talk about what's happened during the day. We might go and check a cam or shoot a fox, whatever we would do. I like to get back in the bush. We sort of, about 4 o'clock yep. till, till dark, sort of we like to go high and watch them coming down or listen to them behind us up in about halfway up a, a ridge plateau. Yep. Because most of the time they are, they're either feeding, they're probably like most deer species, they're feeding back up in the morning. Um, 
maybe pushing a few girls around or getting somewhere back to their scrapes. They generally got scrapes at certain levels yes. um, and probably use them at different times of day. Um, you're waiting them to move down in the afternoon, like sort of come to you a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely, definitely. You get that high, heavy timber line, and then you can sort of see those physical breaks of how the, the terrain changes. And we like to sort of get in once that starts to open up a little bit. That's when I start to push them on a bit more. They'll be checking their scrapes that afternoon and so on. Sure. So are you... Uh, are you keeping those scrapes in mind and you're sort of hoping that they're going to hit particular ones, especially if, you know, if you've read a buck? Yeah, I definitely, there's a blueprint in all our heads of where all those, those scrapes are and a certain buck will have those scrapes. He might be pushing two or three ridges on, so I'll definitely check those. But I generally will sit in that area where I know he'll sort of be then and listen for him and listen. And once I see a doe or his, you know, his girl somewhere, he's not going to be too far away. Yep. He may not be vocal, but I know he's still going to be there somewhere. Sure, I was just about to ask you that. So if you've gone in a day... They've croaked twice in the morning, you know, literally, you know, it's, it's stinking hot or something like that. You've had that weather change come in and it's not the favourable one. Um, how, how does your tactics change? So we're obviously going into a dry rut this year. I still think it'll be good. I've got confidence in it that I think we'll, it'll still be a good rut. Let's just take it that it's going to be quiet. How does your tactics change moving into that? My tactic, to be honest, I actually don't change it. I'll only really just push harder if it's drier. I know he'll only be croaking for a certain a little period of time. So I'll actually get in a little bit earlier in the morning. I'm, you know, he might be croaking above me at 50 yards, but it'll be still too dark. You know, I can't see him. Sure. So I'll just try and put a lot of pressure on him, hold and hold and hold until I actually get that shot opportunity. So, yeah, if it's drier, I'll hunt harder. Yep. So I know the opportunities are less for me. Yeah, understandable. You're obviously, you know, time pressure as well. You know, you're, you're obviously visiting and, and those kind of things. You're a little bit like myself this year. Um, if... For instance, you, you accidentally blow one out, and we've all done it. Uh, how long do you feel until that back, that, sorry, back, the buck will be back in to that area? Like, when could you, like, to go and shoot another, like, go try another buck that afternoon and then come back that morning, or how long do you Th- give it? That's a good question. That's good, that. Last year, I shot a chocolate buck on a scrape. He came in, he saw me, he pushed, the girl saw me, he ran after his girls. I came back, set 15 yards from his scrape, he came back in. And I fluffed it. Um, I shot, it, shot him straight through it, through him, but a little bit above the shoulder, and he bailed out. I was like, oh, man, you know, I wounded him. Like, damn. <laughs> so this was at 8.30 in the morning. He came back, so I didn't, he actually wasn't dead. I came back the next morning. I'm like, wow, there's another deer croaking already on, the, on that scrape. It's the same deer. I could see my little arrow hole above his shoulder. Yep. So he was straight back in on it again, and yep. he's actually still alive. So... Obviously, you know, we, we all make them mistakes too, but was that shot, was that, did he move or you just misjudged or? Oh, look, it's probably. A bit of both. A bit, bit of both, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Just one of the things. Just one of those things that yeah. we, I made, I made a mistake, yeah. No, I mean, because, I mean, we've all been to that point, you know, obviously anyone that's chased Chittle will know this as well. You know, you can put the perfect height on, but if they're on you, um, you know, it's something just to think about. Brad Smith's a great one to, yeah, to, talk, you know, yeah. to listen to on this one is aim for the heart all times. If you hit the heart, you hit the heart. If yeah. they drop, you, you, you're sort of going to get lung. Because, you know, two or three inches is, is not far for them. No, that's right. When I first started hunting fellow, Randy told me, which is Grant Rand, he said, always shoot low. You nearly can't shoot low enough. And being from the Darwin, you know, you, I'm shooting my hogs always just half body, front yep. leg, half body, boom, down they go. And it was sort of a little bit hard to it transition is. into that. It was like, man, my pin's right on the bottom of it. He's like, shoot low on them. Yep. And it works. Yeah, it does. There's no doubt. And if you slow anything down, uh, I think nearly probably 99% of the fellow that are shot on camera, if you slow that right down, they all move. 
whether yeah, whether yeah. it's three inches or one, they all move. So yeah, we're just not seeing in the physical exactly. eye. Exactly, and yeah. and hitting the bottom of that heart. If he doesn't move, you've got him. Um, no, no doubt, no question. Mm. But if he moves, you still got good lung. You know, and do, doing everything right by that by that buck. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, we all want to kill him as clean and ethical as we can. Yeah, so I mean, so it's, it's, you know, we're all. The last thing you want to be doing is, you know, is trying to trail, a, you know, something oh, that's wounded. There's nothing worse than it. Nothing but, worse. Um, so, you know, obviously that is going the right. Is there is there a chance that you're going to come across a red deer in that that area? Or no, unfortunately, not where we are. I've got a couple of buddies have sent me a few messages to talk. Hey, if you come on down, there's a you know we might be able to go out for a red, but yeah, I'll keep that one quiet at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so as we move forward in the year, you know, you, you'll come down, you'll do the rut, and uh, you know, going back up home. What is how does the year sort of set out for yourself? Well, this year's a crazy year. A lot of people know that now. Jess is pregnant. Yep. So yep, we're, same we're, little so we're now at bump. Deer Expo. We've got the fellow rut for three weeks for me. Then I've got little Bub turning up in May, yep. and it's a little boy, so I'm super, oh, super pumped about little boy. So that's cool. And then... Tell him until he gets his tat. <laughs> Someone said to me, as long as he doesn't get a Matthews tat, I was like, yeah. Could be a good sticker. <laughs> uh, we've had a massive wet season in Darwin at the moment. Huh? There's water everywhere. A really fantastic wet, so the floodplains are holding a lot of water. I won't start my pig campaign probably until June. Okay. That'll go right through to uh, end of August, September. Uh, we've got the ASA Classic on in August. So I'd like to go over and shoot that. Yep. And I've got a couple of buddies that said to come over to Ohio and we'll get over the counter tag. We'll, we'll go over there again. So, right so that, could, that could be November as well. Yeah, beautiful. It, um, the ASA Classic, that, that's a pretty big shoot, yeah? Sorry? The ASA Classic. Oh, massive shoot. It's awesome. Catch up with all American dudes. The best there is. There's bows everywhere. Some massive scores. It's it's the pinnacle of my three D career. I love it. I love yep. that shoot. So uh, you got a club back up home, like you? Yeah, you we got a, shoot with a club? we got a local ABA club, Fred's Pass Archery Club. Yep, it's a little club. We shoot every second weekend, but it's just good. And then there's another a club across the road. But it's a Darwin's a really good, cool place to shoot. It's yeah. there's a lot going on. There's a bit of a variety from experts to levels. It's, it's, it's nice. It seems to be a lot of guys come out of there. I mean, you know, just, yeah, you read magazines and all that kind of stuff. Got, you know, it seems to be a, a pretty good trend about it coming out of, you know, the Northern Territory. A lot a lot of hunters. Yep. A lot of hunters from there. Not so much target shooters. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of weekend warriors, which, you know, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, which 95% is, which, of the 95% are. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Absolutely. Hey, I'm one of them. So. <laughs> Flinging arrows. Flinging okay, arrows. Right? So, um... Yeah, and you know, and a lot of guys, you know, down south, they come up here and travel to Darwin to infer a buffalo as well. Yeah, talking about buffalo, we've got to do it. I haven't shot one yet, but um, anytime, let's I haven't do chased it. it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on. Yeah, I'll take you up on that. What? Uh, it's a big thing. You go to the states, the first thing they ask you, "Have you shot a buffalo?" You're right. Your answer is yes. Um, what do you think? Is it just they're big and mean? Is that is that where I've shot scrubble and that? And to be honest, I think scrubble is actually. But I haven't been in the face of buff either. But look, I, I love all the big animals. I think for me, it's it's that knowing you can die part. I think that's cool. You know, <laughs> we're just weird know. with that stuff, aren't we? <laughs> Absolutely. Know, yes. You know, looking at a like in a big bull, a hundred point bull. You know, and he looks, he stares at you like you owe him money. <laughs> you know, it, it's just like, wow, man, this is what am I doing this for? It's that. It's certainly a rush. Absolutely. Yeah. I like and enjoy killing them, but I've certainly got respect for them. A lot of respect. Just yep. you know, if you do make a mistake, and a lot of the buffalo where we're hunting, it is remote. And if mm. you get punched up, they'll grind you in the ground like a sardine can. You know, we're in the world. Hey, we've got broken rims. We've got puncher holes. You, know, you, you physically can die out there. 
There's a lot of buffalo being shot now. There's some really good buffalo hunters in Australia. Yep. But they are certainly a draw card. They, they, re- they really are. Oh, definitely. I mean, the size, you know, it is. I mean, we love shooting, you know, well, we love targeting all species, I guess you could say. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's just an opportunity again. You know, it's one that I've, I'm very keen to take and trying to fit it in a schedule there oh, somewhere. Absolutely. But, um, righto. Buffalo Bang Tang, what's crankier? Look, uh, to be honest, I've, I've played with a lot of Bang Tang. I've never had a cranky one myself personally, you know, and I can't answer that probably truly because I haven't shot thousands and been around thousands shots. So sure. the ratio for me to Buffalo, for me, Buffalo are more cranky. I've certainly had plenty of charge and, mm. and some, fun, some funny have, I stories. Would, I wouldn't want either to but, uh, look, have a go at me. but <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you just got to read your animals and learn them, listen to the guys that do hunt them properly, listen to their recommendations and what they say. But the Bantang Scrub Bull Buffalo, I've shot them all now, so it's... I, I like them all. Yeah. And I, I honestly still treat each one... With their own respect. With their own respect. Sure, sure. And even though a Bantang's a Bantang or a Scrubby's a Scrubby, they've all got their own individual little personalities and little traits. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a bull, it doesn't mean it's going to turn on you or this one will smash you. It's, it's, it's about reading that individual animal for me now. Yep, definitely. You can really tell what they do. Yeah. With, um, obviously... A- yeah, a big talk um, is, is set up with gear. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you sit with that? You know, are you are you a heavy setup man, or you are you just a? I'm, I've got a little bit of a different take on it all. I'm one that whatever you can shoot, you know, ninety nine point nine percent accurate with. That's that's the way I look at it. Because I know you know there's plenty of women out there not shooting poundage with you and I do, but they're killing stuff. You yeah, know, and, and and well, I get that question a lot about poundage and buffalo and saying, so oh, you need a nine hundred grain arrow. No, no, you don't. Definitely, certainly, you can only shoot a bow if you're comfortable to shoot it. Sure. And there's nothing worse than seeing an animal, you know, with an arrow on its rump or yep. whatever. And, you know, we all get excited and everybody does that stage. I like to, to say to someone, shoot as much poundage as you can. Yep. Poundage equivalents to speed for me. Mm-hmm. And if I've got speed, it's happening. So all my buffalo bows are between 84 and 94 pounds. That's, yep. that's what I like to shoot. I like to sort of shoot a, a 680 grain arrow. Yep. So you've got, you got a fair bit of weight. A fair bit of weight. Yep. I lo- I, maybe it's an overkill, but I like to just give that animal every respect and every punch I can give him. Yep. I just, I want it to work. I want my yep. gear to work. What draw length are you? So I'm 31. Yeah, jeez. So, so you got a 31-inch draw. 31 and a 94-pound bow. I, I crank some. i got three 90s in my collection. So I just crank them up, play around with them, and it's awesome, man. They are just kill, they're killers. <laughs> um, can I ask what brand they are? <laughs> Everyone knows that one. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about your collection. Tell us about that. Uh, look, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's an it's an obsession now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it all it all started so back. Now I'm even buying some of my old old secondhand bows that I've had and shot. I wish I hadn't have sold all my ones that I had. Yeah. But now there's 28 in my collection at the moment. It's cool, and, and people go, "Well, why don't you sell them?" I'm like, "Well, I don't need to sell it. Yeah. It's like a painting on a wall, you yeah. know." And they all tell stories. I admire it, and when you walk into my little Hoyt World is what we call it. <laughs> when you see everything there, from little stickers to, to signs, the bows, it's it's part of that collection. I think that's what it's good. It's good to collect. Yeah, definitely. How many years has Hoyt been like? How many years have they made bows? You know, I should know that. Nineteen seventy something. One thirty. No, nineteen thirty-one. Is it? I don't know. I honestly don't. Oh. Know. Sorry, Hoyt. Sorry, you Hoyt. Yes, yeah. I, re- um, I wrecked that. I'll tell you what, you know, I'll set a challenge for you. I want to see you own a bow out of every year. That, that would be cool. I've, I've sort of started doing that now. But actually, some dude just around the corner, he offered me a, he goes, dude, I've got a, uh, 
Hoyt, Hoyt Easton Bay when Hoyt and Easton yep. used to be together. And he goes, I'll send you a message on Facebook and I'll send it up for you. You're about the only guy that would appreciate it. Yep. I was like, thanks, man. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Off of that. Did you get his number? <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, I'll have to do that. <laughs> yeah, make sure you track him down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's kind of cool. You know, something very different. You know, um, Benny Solaris on, on one of the recent podcasts men- mentioned, you know, the, the Archery Museum. And, and I think all that, it's good to sort of know where, you know, you, you're not just, just shooting, or, you know, you've got a history with them. And it's kind of cool that you're trying to sort of look after that a little bit. Oh, look, I, I admire them. I, I, I love the gear, the shirts, the hats, the signs. It's, it's just everything's Hoyt. And everyone around Australia knows, you're like, oh, he's that Hoyt, freaky Hoyt guy. But it's what floats your boat. Like, but, absolutely, yeah, that. yeah. And I enjoy it. Like, you know, it's nice to come home and you walk in the archery room. It's like, oh, wow. You know, and, yep. and you might be sitting there building an arrow and you look up at one of my bows like, oh, yeah, man, I remember shooting that goat with that bow and, and this tour- and that bow won that tournament. And I think that's, you know, I just get that kick out of that style, style yeah, of it. Sure. It's part of who we are now. And now it's tattooed on my arm. I can't change it now. <laughs> like, <laughs> you want to hope that case, mate. Keep making good bows, man. <laughs> it's, um, you know, a Oh, I, I guess talking about um, you know shooting for someone, what how do, I don't know how to put this properly, but what sort of advice would you give to someone that um, you know is is wanting to go down the same path? I get this question heaps. I get it every day on on personal messages. I, I believe um, it's about being loyal. Yep. And I, I and I've stayed loyal with Hoyt for as long as I ever have. I've actually never owned another bow ever. I've shot a couple of different brands, but I've actually never ever owned one, so I'm very proud of that. I mean, one of these these bow junkies that chop and change every two, <laughs> two seasons or so on. You, yeah, you, you've just got to be persistent, be patient. If you want to be a, a factory staff shooter, you know, get out and really have a go. Be noticed. You know, don't bullshit people. Tell them who you are. Tell them what you want to achieve. Go and work at an archery store. Yep. Uh, volunteer archery. Work. Hey, dude, can I work in your store for a little while? I'll get you know maybe a bit of rapport. They might be able to set up a staff sort of setup for you. I certainly believe traveling is a, is a big one. Yep. Traveling to different events and shows and traveling overseas, different countries, different animals. It sort of shows you the person that you are, of how serious that you are. If you're sitting here in Australia, you don't want an American to look at you, but you don't shoot competitions and you shoot 20 pigs a year, it's not going to go. You're not going to go nowhere with sure. it. You've really got to expand out. If you've got that dream and that heart and the soul to be a sponsor shooter, you will do it. Yeah, it's not everybody's cup of tea. There's a lot of guys that don't sort of care about it, not really interested in it. For me, it's that personal. It's that self gratification. Yep, I did it and I enjoy it. I certainly don't. Um, so I certainly won't sign a contract if I don't believe in that product. Awesome, I was going to ask you that. I had five contracts this year, and I haven't signed them because I just I just don't want to promote a bit of rubbish for free if I don't believe in it. Yep. So I like to test a lot of my gear first, and if I enjoy it, well, okay, I'll, I'll sign the contract. But. Yeah, I've seen. Look, and I've seen that you know, and and obviously we're probably bad as Australians. You know, we we look through a lot of uh, the the smoke and mirrors. They say you know yeah. we we try and find the other end of it. Um, but I have seen that, and it, it does take away, um, I guess, the, the originality of it, or whatever, however you want to say it. You know, when someone's given something to shoot for nothing, it's, it doesn't mean it's the best thing. But not if those people choose that before they give it to it, yep. well, that's probably going to be a pretty good product. And I'm, I'm likely more to follow suit if that's the way it's happened. That's, that's right. Um, like I said before, I've stayed loyal to all my companies. So, you know, I've shot e- Eastern, Carter... Yeah, Hoyt, and so on, so on. 
but I've always shot these products for so long. Anyway. And I, anyway, and I, and I really believed in them. So these companies have sort of come to me and said, dude, you've shot this for so long, man. How about you sign a contract? Yeah. So that's where I've gone with that. Initially, you know, I've played around with a few different products. That's normal. But, which is normal. Yeah. But I, the gear that I shoot, I, I really believe it's, it's some of the best gear there is. I find if you don't shoot other stuff, and, and I'm not sponsored by it anyway, yep. but I find if you don't try other things, even if you're staying with the other company because you still enjoy their product, it's good to be able to give feedback too because at the end of the day, the reading your field staff or pro staff is to give feedback. You're not there purely just to promote the product. You've got to, you've got to give feedback yep. back. And if you don't like something, that's when you know when you're a good company is when they change it. Absolutely. I've always said that. I don't, I don't care about the free gear. I'm actually, the reason why this pro staff feels up, and this is that's a whole other subject in itself. It's got way out of hand, this pro staff yep. thing. It's, but anyway. We were making a joke of that before. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's way out of hand. Um, sorry, where was I going with that? <laughs> Shooting, you know, you, you're giving feedback um, well, well, as that, you go. And that's what a pro staffer's job is. See what you think, tell the public about it. If it's no good, yeah, try something else. But, yeah, just don't accept free gear just because someone gave it to you and promoted it as good. Mm. You know, if someone gives you a broad, go and shoot 20 animals with it first. Different animals. Tell me how good it is. Yeah, and then tell me how good it is. Don't shoot... Oh, wow, well, this arrow combination with this broadhead and you've shot two little nanny goats. Well, no, that's sorry, that's not a test of, a, of yeah. equipment. Nothing wrong with shooting two nanny goats. <laughs> okay, you're bad, just starting out. But, but, yeah, bad example, yeah. <laughs> no, but, I'm, I'm giving it to you. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very frustrating topic and it's all going around on social media and we're all talking about it a lot at the moment. Yeah, look, and look, you know, it, these companies don't exist without pro stuff. Like, Absolutely. You know, you know it's, it's how things have marketed and... and I enjoy I enjoy business. Mm. Um, it's my background, you know. I, I manage a business and all those kind of things. So I enjoy the business side of things, and I love I love seeing that progression and why they do things. Oh, um, media is a big thing. I'm, I'm right into media at the moment. I mm-hmm. don't ask me why. It's just on top of frame of mind, and once again, that's part of my background with work. But um, I'm really interested in the way that things are transitioning with this pro stuff and social media and all this kind of stuff. And you can see the companies doing it right. Um, and you can see the companies that probably need to work on a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, now there's a sort of that generation of of two style of artists. You know, we got the old school, which is me, back in before social media, and you'd wait for the magazines, or you'd yep. turn up to a shoot. You're like, dude, there's this Tim Gillingham. Like, wow, he's like the legend. Yeah. And that and that was the true pro staff yep. guys. Now most companies can just get a shirt, put a pro staff on it. Here's your here's your twelve free arrows. You know, tell me what you think. And is that real different? And it's the young generation now not seeing the old school generation of how it actually all worked. And it's, 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 hard, to, it's hard to put all the two together now. It's probably hard being in the, in the middle of that transition. That, that's, that's sort of where I was going with it, yeah. Yeah, you know, I yep. think because you've, you know, you've been there. And, and funnily enough, the years that you're talking about is the years that I started. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I was fortunate enough to start young as well. And it... Um, and it sort of you know, brings back things of back then of like who I knew, like you know, Chuck Adams. Like, yeah, you know, right. Tim Gillingham is still a name now, even with all the, you know, the, the change. And, you know, yeah. um, Randy Ulmer and, and, and those guys, they were around back then and they still, I've just seen Randy Ulmer's got Instagram now. Like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's got the coolest photos anyone could ever beat. And it's not that he, he hasn't just popped up now. He's always been there and always been known. That's that, absolutely. That's a yeah. We, us, 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 old school guys know him, but that's the younger generation. Like, oh, who's this old dude? Like, sure. I haven't seen him on social media before. Who is he? Yeah. 
And that, that's why I thought I find frustrating a little bit. Yeah. You know, a lot of us in bargaining have been around way before social media. Yeah. And, and it's I, not on social media. It's like it didn't happen. People bargain and, you know, and we, we all live with it now. I mean, it's just it's part, part of our, our lives, life. you know. Yeah. And, and um, as people know, like I'm a real estate agent, so um, I do a lot of rural stuff mm-hmm. and most of my, you know, 95% of my work is all rural. And to be honest with you, you know, all our marketing is shifting towards social media. Everything. And it's really funny because, you know, everyone used to go to a newspaper to find a house to buy. doesn't matter where you are. Yeah, that's now, right. it wouldn't matter whether I advertise in, in newspapers or not. You know, internet and now social media. It, I mean, websites are becoming non-existent. That's right, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's crazy. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, people are making money and, you know, you know out, of, out of social media. Um, it's hard to get your head around. It's not going away. It's, it's certainly it's here, here to stay. stay. Abs- it's here absolutely, to stay. yeah. And yeah. I think as long as we do, you know, I've had some great conversations today, and I think as long as we shed it in a great light, mm-hmm. especially bow hunting, um, and, you know, all Australians, you know, sort of got to band together a little bit. You know, I've, there is a little bit of division at the moment, which is kind of sad, but, you know, it's always going to happen with, with <laughs> absolutely, blokes. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen, but I think we've got to band together. We're still at the all under the one banner at the end we of are. the day. We are. You know, if he's a rifle shooter, he's a longbow shooter, you know, so be it if that's what his style is. Okay, yep. We've got to live with that. Yep. It's not that it's wrong. It's just a different style. Yeah. What's cool about, you know, the, these expos is, you know, we're all, all, all on one roof. That's amazing how many people, like, yeah. they'll go out for a rifle hunt or they'll go, especially with the Samba guys. Yeah. You know, they'll go and chase one with a bow. And, and I thought, that, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, they're, they're happy to do it all. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, I, I you know, I'm just a, a, a true bow hunter, and that's it. I, I don't get any satisfaction out of shooting an animal with a rifle. I yeah. just, not for me. Well, I had a, I had a conversation earlier, and, and you know, now that time's more limited, um, you know, I, I concentrate more of obviously taking the bow out. You know, so I'll set my hunts up to make sure it's a good one. You know, mm-hmm. before I used to just pop out for the day, or you know, it was a quick trip over the hill, or whatever it was. But yeah. now, you're just about to find this out with family, but. You know, it you you got to make the most of it a little bit more now, so you'll plan a little bit better, um, and make those hunt, hunts count. Oh, look, I, especially with the baby coming out, I'm yep. gonna have to make him count. I'm just lucky to, I suppose, the properties that I've got right now, there, and they're, and they're right there. I know I can go out, and so the floodplains that we hunt on, you know, we're still seeing honestly, still in 2018, we're still seeing four or five hundred hogs a day. Yeah, it's just it's the normal. No we, we you know. 15 years there, we used to see 900 a day. Now it's like five, and we're like, oh, really? Geez, the hog numbers are getting a bit, a bit low. <laughs> Everyone right now is just going, you're kidding me, aren't you? It's, it's crazy. It is. It's, it's bizarre. It's, yeah. my, I think my best was 19 balls in a day. That was from dusk to dawn. Holy smokes. So that was a good day, yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah no, not but, just a good day. Yeah. So I think now, averaging when I hunt with Shane or Jazz, I, we sort of ended up with sort of 12 or 13 sort of for the day now. Yep. So, yeah. But they're all good, you know, we, they're all good boars. We don't shoot any juveniles or sales. They're just good, big, toothy, fat hogs. It's great. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. I, no. You know, we were talking about it in an early podcast there before, and, um, you know, Nick was questioning me and, and sort of saying, you know, what, what makes you want to hunt boars? And I'm like, it's just, they're boars. Like, I don't know, they're just, there's something about them. You've grown up hunting them. It's just, that's something I hold over everything else. It's sort of, I don't know what it is. Yeah, they, look, they certainly suck you in that, that big hog. For me now, it's, it's I'm, a, I'm a, look, I'm a trophy hunter. I'm not going to lie. You know, if it doesn't have a set of 25s hanging out of its mouth, you know, I'm just going to say, Shane, just you shoot that one. It's, 
you know, I got that personal, really personal achievement last year. I shot my 300th ball last year. Yep. So that was like, wow, you know, I finally did it now. All the rest of them were like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Pass. Oh, I'll shoot that one. What, what's wrong with 400? Well, <laughs> it's, yeah, my brother keeps going, how many pigs do you need to shoot? And I said, look, you're right. And he goes, why don't you just concentrate on the deer full time and spend more time hunting the deer? And, and I think that's where I would like to go with it now. Deer hunt's a little bit harder too because it is very seasonal. You Absol- know? Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, you know, Chittle, you could probably hunt, you could say you hunt them all year, but that's what I find a little bit more hard. And I think, uh, I said before, like that's why I like the hogs because you can hunt them somewhere. Absolutely. Look, and, it, and it's great satisfaction. It's good fun. Yeah. Get and a hog, look, get, yeah. you know, on the environmental side of things, you know, you're doing it a favour. But absolutely. Um, if you want to go down that line, you know, that's why we're hunting. Then we're going to get rid of the things. So, you know, they are terrible for the, you know, for the environment. But once again, they're here to stay too. Yeah, that's and that, that's a whole other subject in itself too, that topic. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a bloody, an, an empty uh, or endless of content, that one. But uh, I guess, you know, for someone yourself who's, who's shot a lot, what, what's a dream hunt for you? You know, um, you know, we're all talking about you know, we get overseas and we do this and we do that. You know, what, what's, yep. what's yours? I've got, look, I've got a few dream hunts. Maybe not dream hunts, dream animals. I was lucky enough last year, I was um, guiding, helping, being a rang up in BC. Yep. And the stone sheep, man, I'm hooked on stone sheep. <laughs> After physically seeing them, touching them, smelling them, hunting them, you know, riding your horse in mountains for two and a half days and a sore ass, and I was being chased with bears down the, down the stream. The, the sheep are certainly high on my list now. Yep. Of where they live, how you got to hunt them, what you got to do, the optics, the gear, your your body fitness, next level, man, yep. like totally next level. Yeah. So I've got a few hunts like that. The animals that are what track me to the hunt. Yeah. Um, I'm really hooked on musk ox and, and caribou. I yep. really want to sort of get into those. I'd like to hunt the mountains, those top animals more more before Africa, for instance, because. I'll be able to sit in the blind when I'm older. I can't yep. climb mountains when That's I'm older. That's exactly how I look at it too. So, but certainly for, for Africa, for me, a hard beast, a giraffe, a baboon, they're yep. sort of high, cool high on my yep. list. Yep. Um, and, and, and America still just keep going through America's animals. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nice. You know, I, obviously everyone knows with me on that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to August. That goat hunt's going to be awesome. Oh, so. dude. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and once again, you know, just the whole seaplane in and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be oh, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, but, you know, that's what we live for. So. Ab- absolutely, man. <laughs> it's going to be good. Mate, uh, any closing thoughts? Oh, look, we could, we could talk blue until we get blue in the face on this one. What's your scariest story? Buff story, croc story? Give us one. I'd have to, it'd have to be probably the two grizzlies charging me in BC. Grizzlies? Yeah, we went down to... We set up camp, the, board, the guy, the client took the guide out, we scouting for some moose and so on, and I was like, ah, oh, man, I need to go brush my teeth, so I walked down to the creek, and the guy behind me, me wrangled, he's like, Rowan, there's a bear, because he's a Kiwi, bear, bear, <laughs> and I got these two grizzlies, like in National Geographic, just charged down the river, water going everywhere, just, I was like, whoa, this is awesome, and I'm still doing my teeth while I'm watching these things. Because I'm so used to banting and buffalo charging me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. There's just a couple of bears. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you nuts. What the hell? <laughs> anyway, they had a rifle pointed at them. They pulled up at about 40 yards. Um, they were still too far to shoot. Uh, legally, I think you weren't yeah. allowed to kill them. But anyway, they sort of stood up and looked and eventually just walked away. But that was certainly a, a scary highlight of my career. Abs- did, absolutely. Did they class it as a bluff charge or did they reckon they were actually full-on charging? They reckon they were full charging. I don't know, maybe because I stood up and same, maybe same sizes. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 
but for some reason they still must have saw the Aussie and gone, hey, I'm, I'm out of here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> listen to it. What about uh, bringing it back home? You know, what's the... Yeah, any any issues with Crocs and that? I don't love people love that story. So, you know, Crocs or Buff, what's the, what's yeah. the one you're walking out for there? Look, certainly the Crocs are always scary. Well, you know, on the floodplains, there's Crocs everywhere. And they're big salties. They're scary. They're intimidating. You, you can't be too complacent. You, we always sort of know they're there, but we, you know, you can get to that. Oh, it'll be right. We'll cross that. I was only crossing a five-foot little, five-foot ravine from a floodplain back into a creek. And I, we had to get across it because we knew there was more bores up further. Anyway, I was sort of like hanging onto the mangroves. They'd Shane, you reckon this is all right? And yeah, yeah, we'll be right. And we didn't realise it was actually about six foot deep. I went back in the dry and then I realised how bad it was. So we were crossing heavy packs on. There was probably 10 or 12 jaws in there. A lot of water, a lot of weight. And I actually snapped off the mangrove and actually fell into this five foot <laughs> ravine. I don't remember personally getting out. I remember Shane yelling at me, but it was a blur. And he, but the croc head was literally seven or eight feet from me and he was shitting himself and I didn't actually see it because dude it came up right there and that was pretty scary then so now I don't do those sort of things good decision it was a, a real good wake up call actually yeah did you yeah that's a pretty good point you know with uh, unless that had happened I would still do it yeah unfortunately like all of us you know if you get an accident then you change your way you do things it's a dumb way to think but we keep pushing and pushing and pushing it and until something happens and yeah but now, but now I just realise there's... And they will kill you. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no second chances with them. No, there's, there's not, no. What... Um, is there anything that sort of stands out that you can... Obviously, water's one of them, but do you see things that you're like, yeah, that's not right, I'm going I'm to go around that? Uh, certainly up where we're on the floodplains, all right. You can sort of see, like, croc- crocodile alleys. You can, you can see where they're going to... if certain, When the water level's at certain height, you can see when reeds are being moved. There's more pig signs, so you'll know that there'll be a, a big... Cr- big croc somewhere and generally those floodplains hold gators crocs yeah and they're usually that four meter size so they're those big boys because they know that all this is floodplain it's only going to last for a certain couple of months they're going to be his pigs he eats them so anyone comes in he's going to hunt you okay and we and we see that on a regular basis now so they're sort of like they're territorial in a way with their little holes as well or yeah we see the same crocs in the same area year after year We've only ever seen that when the floodplains dry out, there's a certain time of the year where they, they actually leave the floodplains, they get back into the saltwater creeks, and we've actually caught them now out in fully dry ground. You're walking through the grass, I'm like, holy, there's a croc man right here. And okay. he's baking, and, well, I mean, baking, you know, he's, he's, he likes to, yeah, likes to travel at night, and then yeah. they go back to the coastal creeks, and they just, they bally out, and they just go all back, back out in the ocean. Yeah, right. It's really bizarre. So... I guess, is there safety precautions that you sort of take or is it just being observant? It's absolutely being observant, just being new surroundings. Now we're hunting on them sort of for eight or nine years as a routine and we know the routine sure. now. If I went on to a different floodplain, you know, there might be different characteristics, but the area that we hunt now, now we, we know it so well, we sort of know what's going to be there. Yeah, cool, yeah. I, but, I mean, but, I, as I said, I haven't done the Territory. Um, I've done Cape York and we hit um, some new country over there. We hadn't been mm-hmm. to it. And we'll we'll hunt in the creeks and that as well. And we get to sort of bigger holes. And it was funny. You, the first croc I seen, and he was just better in the shade, and and very hard to pick up when they're in the Absolutely. shade. They're crazy. Awesome, awesome camo. Oh, it's um, I, yeah. I sort of wouldn't have believed it until I seen it sort yeah. of thing. But it was really funny because when we got to that water hole, there was lilies. There was not a pig digging on the side. It was dead clean. And here he is on the side. You know he's in. That's right. Every other hole was dug up, wallows, the worst. Yep. It's like, oh, there's no crocking there. Not that I would risk it anyway, but it was very 
distinct that you knew something was wrong. Like it was like there's something going on here, and that's actually what made me f- spot him. It's because I'm like, there's got to be a crop in here. I was going to say that before, yeah. Whenever you see a, a beautiful, clean little hole, don't go near them. Yep. You know, there's a, that big boy's in there. Yeah, because it, oh, yeah, your pigs are nearly your best. Pigs are rather wild, wildlife are nearly your best sign for. We've for done it. We're actually lucky enough to shoot sometimes a, a hog next to these little clean water holes. We'll actually throw the hogs in there, and we've had them literally instantly like a barramundi. Boom! They grab the hogs straight out. Like literally, your head's sort and the. So hogs, they're just watching you. They the watch. They, they, oh, they, they know we're there. They can hear us coming up kilometre away. Yeah, they know yeah. we're there. So they'll sense you through the water. Absolutely, they're, they're machines. They're just designed to kill. They're designed to eat, and they and that's why they've lived around for so long. Yeah, they're they're pretty. I awesome certainly animal. take my hat off to them. They're a very very clever animal. Yeah. Do they, do they put the window lock apart from that moment? Like, are they something that you worry about, or are you just like, well, they're just there? I just I, know how to yeah, do it. Yeah, look, I don't worry about them now. I don't take as many risks as I used to. Yeah, but I certainly, I'm always aware that they're they're somewhere. They're there. Yeah, they are there. They are. Yeah. There. they're gonna be there. And mo- and most of the floodplain work, it's always sort of from your knee down. Okay. Um, you know, if if it's really murky water and you got to cross through it, well. Sometimes you got to just do it, but we're, we're certainly cautious. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting getting your perspective of someone. It's not just a one-off, like, you know, we go up there for one trip and have a crazy moment or something yeah. like that. But, you know, someone that's around them all the time, who that's your hunting ground. It's, it's very interesting to get your take on it. Yeah, look, it's like any ground. Once you know, you know, you hunt your fellow, you sort of know what's happening. You hunt the floodplains, you know what's happening. But, but certainly just be so, or ask questions and, or ask experienced guys. If you're going to hunt a floodplain, there's a lot to know about it. I'm actually going to do an article on the magazine shortly about actually hunting our floodplain. Yeah, awesome. it's, it's quite technical. It's the heat, it's the water, how much food do you take, how much fluid do you take, what clothing, you know, what type shoes. Even just the mud is so acidic. There's certain, certain shoes that will, you can wear and the mud will actually tear the soles off in yep. three or four hours where some shoes are better than others. So there's lots of little technical things to make it your wheat comfortable. Yeah. And isn't it funny, like you, you think of just hunting a few pigs on a floodplain, you don't think of that technical side of things because it, something we just take for granted i guess you could say absolutely so for instance you know even just water cons- water consumption i'll do about three liters of water but i'll take my southern guys out and they'll do five liters of water that's just being conditioned to your of your area as well yeah because you obviously sweat like it's hot too oh, it's, it, it's shitty it's horrible it, it is it's shit yeah just it's shit <laughs> it's a great hunt but really uncomfortable very rewarding the risk the risks are high but very re- rewarding yeah yeah, and to go out and we're all over 15 hogs for the day. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so anyone that wants to go up there, I mean, obviously you got access to that. But is there is there guides, guides and outfitters and that up there that are doing this kind of stuff? Well, look, there are, there are, but you know they charge a lot of money for them. They generally put you in a room. They won't drop you on the floodplain with your little two U tent. You, there's not re- for what we do. That's not really catered for as a guide. Sure. You know, yep. they might take you in their airboat and so on, but not for what we do. So we backpack in, yep. basically. Yeah, yep, definitely. What, what we've got is what all we've got. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I guess, you know, going to the point of someone that wants to, maybe a buffalo, um, there's obviously, do you know, you know, is there a particular area of the Northern Territory is better for buff than others, or do you know much about the other areas? There's, there's buffalo, basically, you know, from, from, from Catherine to the Roper to the Daly, all the way through there to Arnhem Land. There's buffalo everywhere, and... and Different areas have different genetics. Yep. Melville Island throw a different um, size horn. It's heavy, isn't it? It's a lot like heavier, and they curl around. Then yep. you get the big T-bar handle horns, which is out in Arnhem Land. Yep. You get the, the roper, which is different again. Roper, Bullman era, just a magnificent g- genetic animals. Sure. Big, heavy, long, sort of traditional type yep. bulls. Yep. There's bulls everywhere. It's, it's just about 
the hardest part right at the moment is the, the meat market for them is out of control. So right. all the farmers are getting so much money for them, they're doing all their roundups. We're having trouble finding them. Yeah. Because they're just yep. worth money. So they're pushing them back. Obviously, probably farmers are probably easing, pulling up on who's going to oh, absolutely go and shoot one like they well, you know, it's worth X amount of money for so me. Sometimes, so sometimes, you know, years ago, you know, I used to be able to shoot it for free. Sometimes now the farmer like, hey, Rowan, um, you actually give me a thousand bucks for that bull, man. Yep. You know, that's what I can get on, on the cattle boats, and that, yep. that's what's happened. And that's reality. That's how it is. That's been a popular thing with, you know, scrub bull in the in the, in the cave. Up in the cave, yeah. Because as much as they say, oh, no, I'll probably never catch it, it's, it's still eating their feed, you know, and oh, I don't mind doing it. If you can give them 500 bucks for a scrubber, it's, I think it's worth every bit. Absolutely. If, if, if when you look back at the farmers, you know, that's still his stock. Even though it's wild, it's still stock. It's still yeah. his. So if you want it, you've got to pay for it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, at the end of the day, in a roundabout way, they're looking after it. So Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, without them, yeah, we won't get the opportunity at the same time. So, Oh, the other cool thing in the, in the Northern Territory when they're in season is magpie goose. I've heard a little bit about this. Shooting geese with the bow in the air is super fun. Right, so talk us a little bit. Take so, us through that. So there, the season generally starts September, runs through to basically Christmas. The magpie geese, have, have all laid their eggs, they're coming in on mango orchards. There's geese everywhere. Right. I shoot them with a, with a bow. I shoot them with a shotgun as well. You yep. know, they're great food. It's free food. Yep. It's great so they, to eat. they eat well? Oh, Jess is the master at cooking magpie geese. Awesome. I really <laughs> like it. Did you bring any down? Or? No, money. I should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I shoot them with a bow. I shoot them with a flu-flu. Yep. Flu-flu and the big turkey, uh, you know, the gobbler guillotines. Yep. Generally, most of the geese, you can shoot them at, you know, 10 yards, 15 yards. I like to shoot them on the fly. Drew back and in he comes in the... You'll hit their wings or the head and they spiral down in the ground and <laughs> it's super fun. Yeah. Use Luminox, so yeah, you, you, know, you shoot all your arrows, quickly I collect them all again, and you'll get your next flock coming over, honk, 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 yeah. and send it. So are you sort of, like, are you decoying them or anything, or are you just sitting in an area that they're nesting so or something? we're like shooting on, on mango orchards, and they'll roost every night. They'll always come in. So we start at 4 o'clock, and you know by dark they're all going to come in. They have all have flight paths into orchards. Okay. So we'll just sit in between the mango trees. In they come. Yep, drew back. Shoot, and you might, and there's literally thousands. Yeah, right. Some orchards will hold hundreds, some hold thousands. Yep. So you are, uh, like, obviously, yeah, how many days, like, you're shooting sort of a dozen a night, or you're sort of, so, just who knows how long you're there? Some days you won't get any, some yep. days you'll shoot 10. Yep. yep. So do you, it's like, do you freeze it, like, take it home yep. and freeze so, it all? So we, we breast it. Yeah, we breast it, and we t- breast it for us. Yep. We cry back at all, and then we take yeah. the legs and the neck for the dogs. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a very, it's a very dark meat. Um, we soak it in milk overnight. Okay. Milk, milk drains that blood out of that breast. Yep. Makes that not so tender, tenderized, that gamey flavour. Yeah, right. So they do have, like, it's funny if you're thinking a bird's got a gamey flavour. Very okay. gamey flavour. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, very, very rich, dark meat. Yeah, which is, you know, taking you back to deer. You know, that's why people sometimes don't like venison because it's that gamey. Yeah. Um, do you do the same thing with that? or S- Same thing. Yep. Just soak it in milk overnight. Yep. Looks like you've got strawberry milk the next morning. Tip that out. Yeah, cry back and away yeah. we go again. Do you wash it or anything? Like oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. Wash it. We just trim some of the fat off, some of the blood clots. Some, if you shoot a shotgun, obviously there'll be pallets, you know, yeah. but yeah. yeah. No, it's just good to know, you know, and, and obviously there's so many different ways to prepare any of these meats, but... So, Jess, uh, we like to cook quite slow. We don't like to overcook the game meat. A lot of oil, thin slicely, and it basically ends up looking like stir-fry. Okay. It's it's literally probably 25 to 30 seconds aside. Yeah. That, that's it. Eat that's it medium it. rare. Yeah. Awesome. How do you go with the deer? Same thing? Uh, yeah, much much the same thing. Yep. I don't slice. I just like to cook a medium rare. Yeah, just 
same thing. I think that's a lot of oil. With, with just, the, it's no it's got to be quick, yeah. You know, because it, it doesn't have fat. So, yeah. and if you, you can add flavors and that, or I what I like, I love stews. Like, you know, oh, yeah. get it into a you know like a stewy kind of thing. It's got moisture in it because I think that's the biggest thing with people that, that it goes dry on them. So then it tastes like leather. That's what I like to get. Yeah, we like to cook it slow with a, like a bit of a gravy, a lot of oil in it. Yeah, cook it slow and just let it simmer through and a bit of salt. Oh, good to go. We're going to have to go and get lunch. I'm hungry now. Yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> and, a, and a beer. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Well, Rowan, thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's been a long time coming. Absolute and, pleasure. Um, Anytime. Mate, we've had a blast, mate. It's, it's, uh, it's been fun. I'm sure the, uh, the beers will be flowing tonight. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a great event, and it's, it's a, everyone's going to have a good time tonight. Awesome, mate. All right. All pleasure. the best for that, RX1. Safe hunting, and thank you. Yeah, cheers, mate. Good on you. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Hunter Camp Down Under podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hunting Camp Down Under. Send me a direct message with any general questions or further information on any of the topics that were discussed during the podcast. Or if you have a great story to tell and would like to share it, be sure to hit me up. I'd love to have you on the podcast. You can also email me at huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com. That's it from me this week. May the hunting gods be with you on your next adventure. Bye for now.